welcome one, welcome all to another developer interview here on the Xbox Expansion Pass. Today, I am joined by Patrick McAvina, president of Moving Pieces and developers of Shoulders of Giants. Uh, that is available on the Epic Game Store and the Xbox Store as well. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. Patrick, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Excited to be here. I'm stoked to have you. Uh, it's definitely you and I were talking before the show. It's been a packed uh, last few months of games, uh, but Shoulders of Giants has launched. It is out. We've got a frog on a mech wrecking shop. How are you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. Um, you know, game development, making a, a, a indie game can take a while. So we worked on Shoulders of Giants Basically, since the beginning of the pandemic, March mm-hmm. of um, what I have no idea how many years ago that was at this point, 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's yeah. almost three years. Um, so, uh, yeah, long time in the making, really excited to have it out in people's hands. Um, and we have a lot that we're working on now. We are this year. We want to put out a lot of content updates. So we're really excited to do that. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really cool to see everybody play the game and to to have it out there. Three years of dev time for Shoulders of Giants. Uh, content updates on the way, but now that it's out, did you take did you get to take a break? Was there a relief element to it? Have you were you nervous for reception? Um, pretty much everything but the break. I haven't taken a break yet. Um. The, we, I, I'm I, basically our team is going to do that soon. But kind of when you put a game out, there's inevitably you kind of get a, a rush of feedback, and there's generally issues you got to patch up and fix. So luckily ours hasn't been too bad. But we want to make sure that any issues that arose, we were around to kind of fix those up. And um, I think we're going to take a break soon, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a little bit at least. When you have to, or when you are taking in feedback and prepping for content updates. Uh, it's funny because I have these questions at the end of the interview, but we're going into them now. Uh, when you have to take in that feedback, does that change or do you do you get a feeling of like, hey, I missed the mark on this one or we landed this, but we missed this element? Do you feel a pressure to address things at a certain pace or speed? Um, I think to to a certain degree, yes. Uh, I think that there's different types of feedback mm-hmm. now that Discord is a thing. Uh, we have, uh, quite a lot of folks in our discord and that Mm -hmm. type of feedback is like instant versus Mm -hmm. like, there's the type of feedback that you read in the reviews Mm -hmm. and the discord feedback tends to be a lot more granular, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, oh, you should buff this weapon like 8% or, you know, whatnot. And then, uh, the feedback that you get in the reviews, it tends to be kind of like bigger scope. So Mm -hmm. they each actually are really important and, um, really, really helpful. You know, if you want to make, uh, changes to to address those things gotcha that makes perfect sense the idea of kind of immediate feedback and whatnot i i guess i'd never thought about it like that but it's funny how close we feel to developers uh because we have access to them via twitter socials and then you can mm-hmm. just go in and have a conversation that is very different than even a few years ago yeah absolutely i mean this is so this is our second commercial game that we've released as a studio mm-hmm it's our first time actually really having we had a discord for our first game but it wasn't really that big of a thing we kind of weren't really using it it was also quite a bit of a different game but i think shoulders being um multiplayer i think a lot of people want to have a voice and get in there and give their feedback and share their thoughts with the development Mm 
Mm-hmm. And we had a we did a beta in the fall where we kind of started the Discord, and um, so people have been pretty active uh, since then. That's really cool. That's really cool. The other game you're referring to, Dodo Peak, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right, Dodo Peak. Yeah. Dodo Peak, that's on uh, Switch and Apple Arcade. So you switched audiences altogether for shoulders, yes? Yeah, you know, I think the journey for us was uh, me and my business partner, Kyle, we both did kind of like complementary things to game development. Mm-hmm. Like I was a 3D artist. I worked in like visual effects like and TV commercials and stuff for a long time. And then Kyle was a programmer at um, different like tech companies and we started game development um, prior to Dota Peak, maybe like a year before, kind of as a passion project. And, you know, Shoulders was always the type of game that we really wanted to make. But, you know, mm-hmm. as an aspiring game developer, you have to kind of like start smaller and um, get to where you want to go. So mm-hmm. um, this is the type of game that we really all, always wanted to make, which was like really exciting for us. Well, let's get to that. You've got a frog on top of a mech and you're in a 3d battle space it's a roguelite like tell me tell me the pitch for this game like when you in your mind sit there and you're like all right this is the game i want to make and you have to elevator pitch it to somebody what does it sound like yeah so shoulders of giants is a sci-fi action roguelike where you simultaneously control two characters at once one is a sharpshooting space frog perched atop the shoulders of a sharpshooting or excuse me a melee uh a robot who has huge weapons and is really fun to use. Mm-hmm. Um, you scavenge for an arsenal of abilities and you use them to restore light to a dark universe. Patrick, that's an elevator pitch right there, man. <laughs> you said that before. I have, yeah. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is that's, you know, and in, in you have your idea that you start with and your initial inspiration and then the the idea evolves you know we didn't the the thing that we knew from the beginning the thing that hasn't changed through our development process was we we wanted to make a game where there was a really small character on top of a really big one Mm -hmm. and just that silhouette and like how they would interact we weren't really sure about yet but that was kind of the main inspiration behind the game why um you know, it's a good idea. I mean, I, I a good question. Uh, I think we just we were, you know, inspired by a lot of different games that had like this idea of like scale. You know, and it's always something we kind of wanted to play with. Mm-hmm. Initially, we had the robot just like gargantuan, like super big, mm-hmm. which was cool, but it presented a lot of challenges, like changing that scale from really, really big to small. It was it was hard for us to really find like the the kind of the game flow that really worked for us. So we we ended up making the robot smaller, but super fast and super nimble. And that mm. kind of evolved the gameplay into what it is now. And that gameplay is super fun. I, I tweeted out some some video of it a few days ago, uh, and I really feel like this is a gem that's kind of hidden under people's radar because I'm really enjoying the traversal uh, in the mech. Uh, I did kind of the shooting elements, but one of the things I also really like is because it's a roguelike, you can, you'll, you'll have procedurally generated areas, which give and take accordingly, but there's a, a kind of an element of grinding while you're map clearing, which are, to me are two very satisfying game elements. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the kind of the map clearing aspect of it? 
Yeah, I think so. One of the other things that we really wanted to set out and do was there's a lot of kind of like paradigms and in, in games with like roguelikes and RPGs where you have to kind of like have a you start with like a class mm-hmm. and that class is like more rigid and kind of defines how you play. But we wanted to set out making an experience where we didn't have classes, but we kind of threw a lot of different things that you could play with and you could experiment with sort of like, you know, like a toy box you can open up and you can have fun. So I think what you're talking about is we have different abilities scattered throughout um, different maps that you can pick up, you can equip that'll totally change how you play. Um, And that was like kind of the other core thing that we were really excited about setting out to make. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm curious when you talk about like the original scale of the map design, when you had to build for those, that bigger concept of uh, a mech, and then you kind of bring it down, make it faster, whatnot. Does that change what your levels looked like drastically? Um, that's a good question. I think, I don't know if it necessarily did. Um, I think the whole like level design process evolved quite a bit once you know, whenever you start out to try to make anything like procedural, you have to kind of figure out like what works before you like procedural fight it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, through that process, uh, we kind of are we we ended up making our, our levels kind of more open mm-hmm. and kind of more f- uh, free flowing. And the other thing we really played with was like different elevation, you know, like yeah. elevation is really, really cool in games. And we it's something we really wanted to to have a mixture of. So we have we have levels that are, you know, high in the sky. There's tons of different elevation. We have some that are kind of take place more on like a flatter surface, like an ocean or something like that. One of the as you talk about that, it makes me think of all the different environments that the player gets to see at different times. I mean, the game is gorgeous uh, and at times gives this brilliant vista that you can just see out into. Uh, and I'm curious where that art style, that color element uh, came from, because I mean, I could point to games that I think might have inspired it or things that it's similar to. But in general, there's just a peaceful vibe to that color scheme uh, and to, to that visual element to it after you clear out the the like the obelisks and such. So where did that come from? I think it, it came from a mixture of things. I mean, I, I've always been a huge like sci-fi fan. So just looking at like sci-fi art from like the 60s and 70s where they have those like huge planets in the sky, mm-hmm. um, which never would actually happen in real life. But it's like, I don't know, maybe there's some planet out there where there's a huge planet in the horizon or something. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. But um, so that's definitely something that we drew inspiration from. Uh, the other thing was we kind of we our first game had uh, more of a like kind of cartoony like stylized vibe, and as a three D artist for a long time, I was always tasked with making things look photorealistic, which I got really bored with. So I wanted to do something that was more stylized and felt more vibrant and alive. You know, definitely something you know more like Breath of the Wild, which has that beautiful cartoony look, but mm-hmm. still feels like super lived in and vivid. Um, and combining that with like the sci-fi elements and also taking some things that are more like dystopian, like sci-fi art that have, you know, more muted color palettes and kind of juxtaposing all those together and seeing what we came up with. I feel like you nailed it, especially when you watch like the areas of, I, I'm trying not to spoil too much, but like, it's kind of obvious. Like when you go through and you clear out and warm up parts of the map, 
you see this really cool effect come over it as as the color scheme changes. Is that difficult to do to have two art styles kind of layered on top of each other in a like like a, in a procedurally generated level? Yeah. So yeah. So what you're referring to is like we 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 taught we basically call that our like light dark mechanic, which is like mm -hmm. a big like theme in the game in terms of the story and also the gameplay. Mm -hmm. um, and it was definitely one of the more challenging things to figure out because from from a actual like technical and artistic perspective but then we also really wanted to have it have a, a, a tangible effect on the gameplay too so like balancing all those things was definitely a challenge and in terms of the art side figuring it out was we really wanted to have this like colorful palette mm -hmm. and when we first started setting up the 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 world where they we have the the dark version and the light version mm -hmm. We're getting a lot of feedback that the dark version just kind of felt a little bit boring because mm -hmm. before it was it was basically just kind of like dark grays. There wasn't a lot of color. Mm -hmm. So um, myself and our art director, Max, just kind of experimented a lot with different color palettes and just different ways we could have things look. And then we ended up figuring out we could just we could add a lot more color into those dark worlds and make them a lot more exciting and have them even juxtaposed with the light versions even more. So that was a really fun process, but it definitely took a little bit of tinkering to figure out. I can imagine. I can certainly imagine. And I really, I really love kind of the light dark elements, especially when uh, you're in an area that's been warmed, lit, lit up, and then you're trying to 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 warm up another area. So you're kind of in the in between, right? You kind of have mm -hmm. one foot in, one foot out, and you're bouncing back and forth as you fight enemies. That's pretty cool. Um, one of the things that's really fun to me are the different abilities that you get, that you unlock, that you get to have access to. Uh, anything, uh, listeners, uh, viewers from a giant shoe that will drop on people to garbage trucks that will run over people. Um, talk to me about the abilities and weapons that you guys decided to go with. Yeah. So, um, we, I think we were really inspired by games that just kind of have this like goofy, like arcade fun gameplay, like, like Ratchet and Clank, um, and all of the, like the silly things that you can do, like very like gadget focused, you know, mm -hmm. um, and Kyle was kind of the the ringleader in terms of like figuring out all the abilities that we have in the game. But we we wanted to have things where, I mean, our ultimate goal is that people will figure out things and ways to combine the different abilities that we never anticipated, that we never mm -hmm. thought of. Um, like for example, we have an ability with um, we have a jump pad ability that you can throw down, and then we have a bombing run ability. So basically, whenever the the mech is in the air, you can drop bombs. So you use the jump pad to jump up. And then you're super high, so then you can drop the bombs, which is an intentional design decision we made. But we're starting to figure out that people have figured out different combinations that we never thought mm -hmm. of, which is like was our goal. And we're, we're really happy to hear that. See, I'm so dumb. I got the bomb ability and I was like, I'm doing this wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. I never thought to go up <laughs> and drop down. Yeah, yeah. Duh. There's 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 and i even it's funny when i'm playing new abilities that like kyle has prototyped um i'm still like figuring them out like oh you could do this with that he's like yeah duh that's like how i <laughs> that's how i designed it but mm -hmm. but that's i think for us that's like hopefully part of the fun of the game is is playing with those and figuring out what they can do and is that where that discord element comes in where people talk about the different things they've done to combine it yeah absolutely for sure um we when we did our beta, we didn't have nearly as much content as we do now, but we got a lot of really good feedback. And, and overall, people were really like having a lot of fun with that element. But mm -hmm. yeah, definitely the Discord is is where we're getting a lot of the, that information in terms of like what people are using, how they're like all their builds and all that stuff. Now, Patrick, you've got 
a cast of characters that surrounds our hero, uh, baboons, pandas, owls, uh, and combined with the visual aesthetic, I get Star Fox vibes. I don't know if that's what you're going for, uh, but it's like it's like in the back of my mind as we go. Uh, and the writing is is funny. It's fun. Uh, we're talking about the cast of characters, please, and then kind of uh, where the writing came from. How that how that come about? How that? Process yeah, worked. sure. So I think, um, as I mentioned before, our first game, it was Dodo Peak. the The lead character was a dodo. Um, we're just kind of like we just don't really put humans in things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we knew we had to do animals, and that's what we we're really excited about. So once we just like established the main characters, um, we knew we wanted to have a central hub where the players could go and uh, have characters that could tell them, give them missions, they could interact, um, change their equipment, give them new skills, quests, uh, also tell them pieces of the story. Mm-hmm. So um, as I mentioned before, Kyle, uh, my business partner, he actually did uh, sketch comedy for a long time. Uh, so he, he was, uh, he was kind of deciding, like he kind of knew he wanted to leave like the kind of like the programming tech field and he either wanted to do video games or he wanted to be a stand up comic. Um, so his like, you know, his, um, he's all over like the, the writing. And then we actually had another one of his friends help out and, um, we kind of wanted to, you know, have something that's funny and engaging and witty, um, and, and tell, you know, that the simple story of like light versus dark. Mm hmm. Well, uh, I, I feel like you've done that, certainly, and which no small feat again in a roguelike, I think. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is there's no voice uh, whatsoever. And when I think of Star Fox, I would have thought even even little sounds that would come from our characters. Uh, was that something you guys experimented with, wanted to? Did scope and scale? Uh, you talked about being an indie game early on. Did scope and scale affect that? How, how did how did those choices come about or, or get negated? Yeah, I think... You know, I think basically being a small studio, I think we would have loved to experiment more with the voices. There's actually, I don't know when the last time you played the game was, but there is a small addition to the voices that you might hear. Um, like yesterday? Did I, did I miss something? Tell me what I missed. We, I think the, I think the update dropped yesterday. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but but okay. so we, we do have some voices. It's not, nothing is like, there's no like voice acting by any means, but there mm-hmm. are some. We we wanted to add something to give some some flavor to the characters, so you have a, a connection with them. Okay, so by the time um, listeners that you're hearing this, there's <laughs> there's something in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so cool. It, it it was um we developing the game. We always tried to like manage our time and prioritize things, and that was something I always wanted to add in. It was one of the last things that I did, mm. and that's why it's getting there in the very <laughs> the first update, which we actually. Our intention was to have it in release, but it some things kind of slipped a little bit. And so but it's there now and we're happy to have it. What kind you don't need to go into specifics with this event, but I'm curious what kind of things happen that stop stop you from kind of getting a feature in that you plan for release and then can't. What kind of stuff happens uh, in development that stops you a week out, two weeks out, a month out? Yeah, it's a lot of. um it's basically once you, we we did a lot more uh, QA and um, especially like certain like platform specific things. Um, you know, it's like making sure that all the menus don't work and that, you know, your connections to Xbox Live are 100% and, uh, 
you know, those are the types of things that, you know, you, you normally think you have in the bag, but it's like, oh, actually, there's something we have to fix there, you know, so inevitably, you've got to fix up a couple, like last minute things, it's, it's normally not like content or gameplay or balance as much as it is just kind of those odds and ends getting in, you know, to get it out the door. What separates the odds and ends from say, like, um, a content update, like you said, do that was something that you guys want to work on down the line, what separates an odd and end from a content update? Well, I think a content update, uh, you know, for us, we really wanted to see people's initial reaction to the game and see the types of things that they were really interested um, in getting in the game and kind of, we wanted to evolve the game and bring in a direction that people were most excited about. And we felt like we couldn't really do that until we got the game in people's hands. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense right there with you. Um, when it comes to, I want to go back to the writing for a moment and crafting that story. You said you were a longtime lover of sci-fi. Uh, what types of inspirations happened for the, the written part of the story? The written part of the, you know um, I mean. <laughs> Honestly, it's a really good question. Personally, I didn't have a lot of involvement in the actual writing of the story. Um, mm -hmm. So I can't speak to that super well. Um, but I can say that I think that, so it's Patrick and Kyle that, that wrote the story, another Patrick, not myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think they, they, they had a, a lot of fun uh, doing it and it was very much like a collaboration between the two of them. Um, and I can definitely, these are really good questions and I actually need to know the answer myself. I should be asking these things to them. I'm going to find out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, were there any weapons that didn't make it into the game for our characters that you kind of wanted to get in or that you're, you're hoping to get in? Is that a thing that might happen? Uh, I can say yes. I don't want to name them specifically because I don't sure. want to spoil anything for anyone um, no that might be listening. But um, there are there's there's certainly weapons that we experimented with that you know we're like ah this conceptually it was really cool but it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then there's other ones that we are really excited about and we're going to get in in the next content update. Uh, why a frog on a mech? So. It's a, it's a good question. I think frogs are just grossly underutilized in games. Um, <laughs> I mean, when was the last time you had Battletoads? It was a really long time ago. Uh -huh. um, Battletoads was great. I think that frogs are excellent warriors, and they deserve the appropriate respect as their warrior status. So we wanted to make a game that really um, put them you know, back at the forefront in terms of uh, being just generally awesome. So a frog stand is what's happening right now. Yes. Okay, cool. It reminds me of the peace frog sign from the 90s uh, growing up. That's fun. Also frogs. Well, our frog has three fingers and, um, you know, it's pretty cool. There's, you know, you don't have to animate five. So you just have to do the three. <laughs> See, that's game design tips right there. That's right. It's exactly right. <laughs> uh, there's a pretty dope, chill fun i don't know what the right words are but i really enjoy the soundtrack like just listening as i'm going through uh what was the what was the angle of approach in choosing the, the soundtrack for this one yeah so that was something that we another kind of like in terms of like prioritizing things we we didn't really think 
I had a lot of thoughts about the soundtrack, but we didn't really find a composer actually until early last year or maybe yeah, spring of last year. So it was, it was kind of like later on in development, but mm-hmm. we wanted some sounds that, I mean, we're so flow X to the soundtrack and he's like, we loved his music and uh, we, we wanted sounds that kind of had this like, modern kind of just like funky like sci-fi ish kind of sound it's kind of hard to describe but Mm -hmm. um when he sent us like the initial track it like checked all the buckets and we were just really really excited about it it feels like this is this is one of those games that i can just turn my brain off at times and just go and is that your impression as well because i'm on the player side you're on the developer side is that something you were hoping to hear or is that like the worst thing i could have said no i think you know i think there's it's funny because there's there's a lot of um you know there's like the kind of like the cozy genre of games which Mm -hmm. i think is really cool and i've definitely played a lot of them myself there's also i know it doesn't really work in terms of like language but there can be like cozy combat games where you know Mm -hmm. you just kind of get in the flow i mean i think even a game like diablo you can kind of like argue that it's kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. um a lot of the gameplay you're doing like similar things so you don't actually have to think a whole lot but like Mm -hmm. you're you can you're going through the motions you're still having fun and you can get more involved if you want so that was something that i don't know it's necessarily like an intention of ours but it's definitely something that um, I'm not upset about having in the game by any sure. means. Sure. Here's a dreaded question that I sometimes ask developers, and uh, if you need to backflip out of it, no problem. But whenever you put out a game, a piece of art, something you've worked on for years, I'm sure there are things that you're critical of yourself, things that you're not happy about. Are you happy with how Shoulders has has launched? Are there things that are still bugging you? Are you happy with it overall? Things, you, yeah. That's a great question. I think that I'm I'm very I'm, I'm incredibly proud of us as a team. I think uh, going from our first game to this game was a huge challenge for us, and I think we did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm definitely happy with how things are going. Mm-hmm. I think that the we set like a high bar in terms of the visuals and the gameplay and everything. So I think that people's expectations are also incredibly high, which is one of the challenging things. So I think moving forward, we're basically the biggest feedback that we've gotten is people want more game, which is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. They mm-hmm. want more things to do. They want more of the game. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's that's uh, that's what we're going to do with the content updates. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I'm I think that's one of the great pieces of feedback you can hear. Um, so overall, I think that we're, we're definitely happy where, where things are at. It's funny. Uh, you took, and you talked about the expectations being set and a screenshot of this game does set an expectation earlier in the interview. You mentioned breath of the wild. We talked about just the way the game looks scope and scale. And, uh, you're a $20 indie game punching high. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're punching high and those expectations can sometimes work against you uh does that frustrate you ever that the expectations can be so high do you want people sometimes are we say that of triple a games too as gamers sure sure yeah i don't know if it necessarily frustrates me by any means i think that 
it's really hard to know exactly like even you you do your you do beta you have can have demos you can have all these things and you're not really going to get a true idea of where your game fully stands with most people until mm-hmm. they can get the final copy in their hands mm-hmm. and i guess the only frustrating part about game development is that you don't like you can definitely have a, a good idea but you'll never like really know um that that whole picture until it's kind of out mhm one of our patrons, James, he wrote in and said uh, he was curious. You guys are an Xbox and Epic exclusive, but to be kind of in in the world of console, that's console exclusive. You guys are only on Xbox. Did the idea of Game Pass ever enter your mind? Was that something you wanted, didn't want? Did you try for it? We've heard all types of stories on that front. Yeah, I mean, what I can say is that um, it's definitely something that we, we want um, and... I a lot of people have asked us, is the game coming to, to Game Pass? When mm-hmm. will, you know, when will it come to Game Pass? And my answer to them is please tell this to uh Microsoft mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and hopefully it will happen. Kind of an a, a tangential question then. Does it surprise you? Because that's not you're not the first developer to be even on this show and say something akin to that. Does it surprise you that you've got indie devs that are clamoring for game pass uh in a world where years ago we were wondering if game pass would ever work if people would even want it you don't buy the game do you 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 know are you supporting developers and now we hear developers want to be on there yeah i think that everyone was kind of you know questioning subscription gaming services you know and, and when apple arcade happened in 2019 um our first game was on a subscription service uh, so we, I think we definitely recognize the value in it as developers. And I think game pass, especially presents a lot of opportunities where as a game developer, you want as many people to play your game as possible. You know, mm-hmm. I obviously, you know, there's like financial incentives in that and all those things. But I think what game pass really allows a lot of smaller devs too is they just get their game into such a much bigger audience Mm-hmm. And it's just a very, very cool thing to see happen, to see so many people be able to play your game. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm. It's, a, it's an awful question to ask somebody that's just put out a game, and yet I and so many other interviews end up doing it. What's next? I feel like you've already answered that, but I'm compelled to ask one more time. You're taking a break soon, and then it's content updates. Are you doing small stuff in the meantime? For goodness sakes, you just added something that I missed from yesterday. At the time of recording, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a good question. Um, so we we're basically gearing up the rest of this year to add a lot of new content to the game, and after that, you know, I think we'll see where the game takes us. But I think we definitely want to start on a new project um, at some point in the near future as well. Okay, so moving pieces, interactive. Uh, interactive expanded universe dodo peak meets uh shoulders of giants they're going to interact with each other there's a third element dr strange we're bringing them all in together is that what's happening <laughs> we'll see <laughs> to be determined um yeah. i think yes that sounds very cool i think i'm going to take your pitch yeah there you go <laughs> there you go oh man well patrick i can't thank you enough for joining me tonight this was an absolute blast uh and listeners i will tell you i've had such a great time with shoulders of giants i keep going back to it grinding my character 
enjoying the soundtrack. It's just it's it's a great gem that I, I hope everybody picks up. Uh, it's on Epic Game Store and Xbox as well. Uh, Patrick McAvina, point people where you'd like them uh, to go to find more from you, your Discord, everything. Make the plugs, man. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. So if you guys want to learn more about the game, uh, you can also find our Discord and our socials at playsog.com. That's the best place to learn more about us and our game. Patrick, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.